0: It's great to be here again. I, I uh, just love this youth group. I wish I was like 20 years younger and could be your youth pastor. I mean, I just love this group. You're amazing. You guys are amazing in what God is doing. And listen, I, I really speak this tonight over you. The next level is coming your way. The next level is coming your way. The next level of reaching more people for Christ. I believe, I've been speaking all week to an amazing group of Bible school students, and all week I've been saying this about you guys. I believe that you guys are going to become one of the most diverse, ethnically diverse youth groups in this city. There's going to be Asians, there's going to be Hispanics, it's not just going to be Slavic young people. I believe the impact of who you are is going to get greater than you've ever seen before. And it's gonna literally blow your minds because you have the blessing of First Corinthians two nine. Your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard. It has not yet entered into your heart what God has prepared for you because He stinking loves you, and that's Ryan translation. He loves you, and He wants to show you so much. I've had an amazing week here. I. I don't know how I ever got hooked up with you guys, but man, it's just been an incredible five years. Uh, I don't know if you know this, I moved uh, to Arizona a month ago, a month ago last Saturday with my wife, and both my kids are down there in ministry, went before we did, but we moved to uh, Arizona, and now I'm over about 47 ethnic churches or international churches in Arizona representing all kinds of everything from Haitians to to, uh, Burmese, a, a couple Burmese churches and everything, so... Every week, I get to go into some of the language. It's really cool. It is really cool. So I'm brushing up on all my Burmese and all those kind of things. Because uh, when I traveled before, a lot in different countries of the world, I think the Lord prepared me for this moment. Because I've been, in, I've done ministry in 120 countries. So the Lord's prepared me for this. So what I always used to do is learn a uh, hello, goodbye. I learned, praise the Lord, where's the bathroom, and do you have any water? That's, you learn those five things. You can flow in any culture and uh, literally flow in some cases. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, so I've just, I'm just very uh, blessed to be in this. If you ever want to follow our adventures, my wife and I, it's AZ Rick Ryan. AZ Rick Ryan or AZ Intercultural Ministries and uh, both Instagram, uh, Twitter. And Facebook. So, just if you ever want to do that, and hang with us and pray with us, when you see some new posts, please pray immediately. I have about six thousand people that pray with me right now. There are six thousand people that are praying for this meeting, right now. Maybe it's just a breath prayer. I know I've got seven or eight, or maybe ten people that will pray through this whole meeting until I text them and say I'm done. Uh, so I just know God is here and God's going to do things. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Cause he is a good, good God. Hallelujah. I have, uh, oh man, they put it up there already. I want to talk tonight. You guys, I guess, have been in a series and I want to continue in that series about talking about your story or your testimony. And I want to talk about the power of tomorrow's testimony. You know, we've all got testimonies or stories the story for our lives, in fact, I like the word story better sometimes than testimony, only because sometimes testimony comes off as a, as kind of a Christianese term. But my story, my past testimony is, is, is powerful. But there also is a today testimony. If you don't have a today testimony, you're in trouble. If you just have a yesterday testimony, that's cool, but you've got to have a today testimony. That's what these bros have been talking about, about uh, allowing God to work in your life today because he wants to give you a tomorrow's testimony. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about tomorrow testimony and what God is wanting to do in you. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, it says this. Now, does this work this way or this way? Here we go. We'll try. Where am I pointing it at? Back there, you got it back there? Cool, man. You do it back there, dude. I'm, I'm like, this frustrates me. May the Lord be with you. Um, Hebrews just says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards them who earnestly seek him. The promise of that God has got for you if you have faith, that he's gonna reward you. He's gonna blow up your present day box and give you something that's phenomenal. And we're talking faith. I know I'm talking to faith people tonight and I'm very excited about that. You see, I I know it takes faith. Today I was was heading back to my in-laws, they live in Roseville after class today. And uh, by the way, tomorrow we're doing for you that have taken Bible school. Tomorrow we're doing the church planning thing, so I'm really excited. These guys are all fired up about it. But and some of you remember that I've had stu- former students come in and go, "Man, I remember when we were going to go to Oakland and plant a church." So anyway, it's church planning tomorrow. But uh, I was uh, I, I was tired today. I was kind of uh, I've been going now for probably about uh, probably about 26 days, every day speaking at something, either in the night or. Here in the Bible school for like five, six hours a day, and so I was kind of tired, and I called my wife. You know, praise God for wives, and I called my wife, and uh, I was kind of, you know, not bemoaning. I wasn't crying. I wasn't whining. It was just kind of one of those, "How you doing?" Well, I'm okay, you know. And how how are things? Great, you know. The students are phenomenal. Da da da. And she could tell that I was tired. And you know what she said to me? She goes, "Rick Ryan, you are doing it." I go, "What do you mean I'm doing it?" She goes. You are doing everything that God wants you to do, and the future is great. And I said, come on, wife. <laughs> I got off the phone with her, and I spent about 10 minutes doing a praise to God for all that he had been doing, because this was her words to me. You are doing it. You were made to be a conduit of the supernatural. listen. You were made to be a conduit of the supernatural. It's not about your life. It's about him flowing through you. That's tomorrow's testimony for you. Because yes, you got issues. But as you continue to focus outward, it's just God fill me so I can release, so I can let go, so I can make things happen for others. I don't know about you, but I love to make things happen for others. I don't even care if I have to suffer a little bit. It's no big deal, man. Because it's not about me. It's about them. It is not about me, it's not about my issues, it's about them. I got junk, I got junk in my trunk, I know it man, skinny white guys got it, I got it. But the reality is, is that doesn't matter when the Holy Spirit starts flowing through you and you want to do it for others and you're just, you're continually throwing it out there. How boring to just soak up, soak up, soak up, only Jesus. How boring. Part of the reason it's boring is because Then you become overwhelmed with the blessing, and pretty soon it becomes just normal. It's not real to you. It's not real. So the people of God have have been in bondage now. This is their second bondage. And here's what God said to them. I'm reading out of the message version because it puts it kind of different. In Amos, the ninth chapter, verse 13, here's God's word for you today. Listen to this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God decrees. Things are gonna happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of another. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, there will be blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills, In other words, God was saying through the prophet Amos to the people who had been in bondage, here it comes, get ready. God is ready to blow up all of your issues, all of your things, and bless, 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 as if he had a huge jug of wine and he was pouring down over the hills and was coming like a cascade over you. How many want that for your life? How many want that kind of blessing in your life? Come on, you guys got more than that. How many want that blessing in your life? We want that thing in us where God is pouring over us and God is depositing. God is giving all kinds of sense of who he is and what he is and how he operates in our lives because God is waiting and wanting to bless you. It's time for us to look at hell in the face and declare that my tomorrow testimony is this. I'm not going back to what I was because what God is taking me through does not compare to what he wants, where he wants me to go. Where God is taking me from or taking me through is not where he, it doesn't even compare to where he wants me to go. And Paul, the great apostle in Acts 16, is learning that. He's learning that things got rough when he got back after his first missionary journey in Jerusalem and even in Antioch where he and Barnabas had such an upset over a young disciple of his called John Mark that they split and Paul and Silas went on the second missionary journey. Barnabas stayed and encouraged John Mark. And in the core of this whole thing comes Acts 16 and the story that is written there. Verse 16 of Acts 16. I'm going to break in every once in a while in the story and kind of talk about it. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of you. And it came out that very hour. We have a tendency sometimes in our lives to allow the ungodly things of life access to our lives and walk through life with these things just hanging around us. He and Silas are walking all, everywhere they go, they're walking and this girl keeps screaming that out and they let it go on for a few days. Let me ask this question. What's the thing that you let go on that's taking away your joy, taking away your anointing, taking away your ability to concentrate on what the Spirit of God is trying to do and use you for and He's positioned you for, He's put you in the right city, in the right place, walking the right path, and yet there's something that's always all over you. What's the thing that screams out? What's the thing that you've allowed to coexist with you that now in some ways you don't even hear it, you've kind of tuned it out? There has to come a holy righteousness within us that just says, stop, stop. Come out right now in the name of Jesus. And then it comes out in that hour. You see, we have a tendency in the world today, especially in the Christian world, of allowing things to hang up our lives because we allow them to stay around. Paul finally got upset enough that he used the word of God to cast the demon out of this young slave. Somebody needs to hear this today. It's time to kick off all the ungodly influences out of your life and the thoughts that come against the things of God by declaring your obedience to the word of God so you can have a tomorrow blessing and a tomorrow testimony. You know this, but tomorrow's, testi- or tomorrow's miracles are based on today's obedience to the things of God. Tomorrow's miracles are based, tomorrow's testimony tomorrow's victory are based on your obedience to the word of God today. Now I could stop right there and give an altar call because I know in this room, there are people right now, you're fighting with other voices. They're screaming out things that sound good. Oh, these men are from God. It sounds good, but it's destructive to you. It's a distortion of the real voice of God. Ooh, it's a distorted voice instead of the real voice of God. And it occupies your time. and kind of drives you a little bit. You get upset, and then you don't get upset. And you kind of bounce around. And it, if you let it stay around, you will, you will uh, get or, or build uh, deaf ears to the voice, but you'll build deaf ears to all voices and not even hear the voice of God. Sometimes God will close the door of your now in order to open the door of your next. Sometimes God will close the door of your now in order to open up the window to your next. And I I say that because here in, in the middle of all that was going on, he had to stop, he had to cast the demon out, and that had to stop that was the closed door. She was shutting the door on them. He had to declare it because when that was shut, then the next moment was able to come in Paul and Silas' life. When you determine to pour out his favor, God cannot be stopped. When you choose to pour out his word and bring it into alignment with your life, God's favor cannot be stopped. He's taking you to the next level. He's taking you to tomorrow's dream, no matter what the circumstances say. He's taking you to tomorrow's next level, no matter what the circumstances say. Remember Elisha and the single mom? Single mom pulls her son together and says, Hey, we're going to die. We don't have any more food. So I'm going to go out by the front gate and collect some sticks. We're going to make Meal, we have enough meal for just the last one and a little bit of oil for our last meal and then we're dying, son. This is it. She goes, goes out to the, to the gate and there is Elisha, the prophet, who earlier had been so obedient to God that, that he said, Elisha said to him, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion. And Elijah said, okay, when the, when the chariot goes north and goes up, when the mantle falls, put that on, you'll have a double portion. So here's young Elisha standing at the gate to the city, and here comes this woman. In the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, he finally decides what he needs to do is he needs to talk to this woman. Woman, what are you doing? I'm gathering sticks. I'm going to make a little fire. We're going to put some, the last bit of meal together in oil, and then we're dying because people all around them are dying. Elisha says to her this, Listen. What I want you to do is I want you to go get every jar you've got out of your house and then go to your neighbor's houses and get every jar you can or barrel or whatever they've got. Get it all, get everything they have because God is going to bless you. She does that and there, there is a miracle that happens where there's enough meal and enough oil that she and her son and Elisha, but she and her son are taken care of until the famine is over. You see, her circumstances said, it's over. Get a few sticks, make the last meal, go and lay down under a tree and die. That's what her circumstance. I wanna tell you this, you are not, not defined by your circumstances. You are defined by the one who controls your circumstances. He's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because with Christ, in Christ, through Christ, your destiny is greater than your drama. Your promise will silence your problems. Your miracle will redeem your mistake. Your dreams will put an end to your nightmare, and your blessing will overtake your brokenness. We continue in the story in Acts, verse 22. The crowd gathered or joined in attacking them. They attacked these guys for healing this slave girl. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat beat them with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. Now that sounds like a fun night, doesn't it? You do a miracle, you see somebody, a a demon-possessed person set free, and all of a sudden, everybody attacks you. Everybody comes after you. Everybody wants to tear you up, you ever felt that way? You're living for God, you're trying to go for God and it seems like everybody's out to attack you, even other Christians. Even other people in the, in the youth group, people are out to get you, it seems like. What do you do? Oh God, please protect me, protect me, protect me. God's, he says he will never leave you nor forsake you, so he is protecting you. And God also says that you'll never put anything on you that you cannot handle. That's who God is. He's trying to refine you. He's trying to bring you to the place where you're gonna have a tomorrow's testimony. Because you have to understand really quickly about tomorrow testimonies. When you have a tomorrow testimony, It gives you a purpose in your journey. The purpose they had was not just to set that girl free. The purpose they had was to present the gospel to everybody. And God, they didn't know it, but God was giving them with their tomorrow testimony, God was giving them a platform that they wouldn't get anywhere else because everybody in the city was angry at them. Everyone had beaten and thrown stones at them. And now they've got an opportunity to minister to everybody. Think about that. That's how God works, man. We, we so many times, God, if you could just like, like, okay, God, if I could just like walk into that city and play like a basketball game, okay, God, against the local guys, and, and if I could go up and just poster somebody as I'm slamming over their heads, and then I could sing a song and everybody would run to my voice, then I could, I could tell them all about Jesus. Paul and Silas are being beaten They're being ripped up. They're being attacked. Even the city leaders are encouraging the whole crowd to go after them. Not what you would assume would be a place, a blessing for a tomorrow testimony. But when you have a tomorrow testimony, you understand this. Your present circumstances don't dictate you now nor define you now. He defines you and he puts you in the circumstances that he will get glory with. Can you say amen to that? Come on, now I'm working on here. It also, tomorrow's testimony, discounts present limitations. It discontinues present limitations. You might feel attacked. You might feel ripped off. You might, But your testimony is this, that my God shall supply all my needs according to riches, his riches in Christ Jesus. I know that God is faithful. I know that God is doing it. So whatever I'm going through right now, I'm gonna see the victory of God because my tomorrow testimony affects my today's circumstances. Who am I preaching right now? Hallelujah. Tomorrow's testimony also unleashes the potential in you and those around you to praise God in the midst of the battle. To praise God in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the war, in the midst of everything you do. Many times your circumstances will seem to hide you. They took them, they beat them, and then they threw them in the inner prison. But what moves you to the next level are the spiritual disciplines in your life. Spiritual disciplines. I'm gonna let the slides go right now because I'm off track on the slides, but I wanna say this. The spiritual disciplines of pray, praying, of reading the word, of fasting, of living simply, those spiritual different dis, uh, disciplines are so critical to everything. In fact, if you don't have those, then circumstances will overwhelm you. And you won't have a tomorrow's testimony, you'll be begging God, God, repeat what you did in my yesterday testimony. God's saying, I want yesterday, but I really want today, and I want you to understand the future of my testimony, because do you understand this, 80% of all the promises of God are about today and forward, 80%, what is God saying in that, I have got something for you to live in right now, no matter what your circumstances say, right now live in this, because I've got victory coming right around the corner to you, touch somebody and say, that's right, So when the enemy of your life starts throwing circumstances and starts throwing stones at you to try to hide you, to try to put you to death, come on, baby, pick up the stones, build an altar, and praise the daylights out of the house. Praise the, I don't sing very well, Pastor. I don't care, man, praise the daylights out. Come on, start walking and praising. Start, they're in chains, man, what do they do? Well, bummer, man. It's just been a really bad day man started off with my hair i couldn't get it right it's a bad hair day and then i was i was late for class because of my hair and so i got pulled over by the police and i got a ticket for speeding and then i walked in and i forgot a pop quiz i only know two out of a hundred i'm oh man 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 and then i went to get coffee with my boyfriend and he had such bad breath it like blew up my ears i just it was so gross. It could peel paint, and I don't know if I really like him. I mean, his breath is just horrible, and and uh, oh, my sir. And you go to work, and the boss comes to you and says, hey, guess what? You know, we're kind of like overstaffed right now, so we need to cut your hours like down to two a week. <laughs> Fun day, huh? So what do you do? Oh Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, get me out of here. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 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 I wanna tell you, man, that's the time you're supposed to lay back and praise. Because you don't know where this came from, do you? You don't you can't follow, it's not a logical path. What's so cool about God is God always sets you up for moments because the enemy tries to take you off the logical path. And he tries to mess with your head. And he tries to bring, key word here, confusion. But I'm here to tell you that God is not the God of confusion. God is the God that sets the captive free. So man, pick up the stones. Build an altar. And start praising the King of Kings. Flip on the worship music. Don't call your best friend and whine. Put on the worship music. Start praising the king. Start praising him. God, apparently you don't want me to have that job because you got a better thing coming. Come on, that's your Jesus. Apparently, God, you you know, I know he's got beautiful blue eyes, but God, his breath peels the paint. So, God, I know you got something better than that. Or would you at least talk to him about his dental hygiene? Please, God. You understand what I'm saying? Lord, I've praised you because I know I should have slowed down. I was late. And I was so consumed with my own self-identity in the look of my hair that I blew it. It's my bad. But Lord, I choose to praise you and I will pay the ticket on time. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We need to pick up stones and those circumstances and build an altar of worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has been with you, who who is with you, and who will always be with you all the time, always. Moses Cow was the, still is actually, the general superintendent for the assemblies of God in the country of Vietnam. Moses Cow Sr., Moses Cow Jr., imagine if your last name was Cow. Kind of interesting. Imagine going to school, high school, with your last name Cow. Oh, man. Setting it up for bully right there, you know. I'd change it. I'd call myself dog or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Moses Cow, I met him um, when he was 72 years old. He's now, uh, a year ago he passed on and went to glory. But 72 years old. Moses Scott was an incredible guy. He was about that tall, which made him pretty incredible because, uh, first of all, I felt like I was below him because of all that had gone on in his life. He had been in the ministry for 52 years. 48 of the 52 years he had spent in prison in Vietnam for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. His church ran 25,000. Why? Because he believed God in all circumstances that everything was going to be okay. And from prison, many times, he would would direct the crowd or direct his associates in what they were going to do with the crowd. It kept growing and growing and growing. In in the middle, or the first part of the Vietnam War, he was thrown into prison uh, for uh, preaching the gospel. He was beaten by sticks and rifle butts from the, uh, army guys or the prison guards that were guarding him. And so, one thing I heard about him, but I didn't believe it until I saw it this side of his head is up about two and a half inches compared to this side. And it's not because he's got a large wart there, it's because he has been beaten so much that calluses had, and he was always defending. He's right handed, so he's always trying to defend himself this way. And they would beat on this side. So, this side of his head was, was stuck out about two and a half inches from the uh, beating. And it had formed callous uh, things and had just grown over on this side. No hair on this side. This side had full hair, but this side just had this beating. Okay, now that's pretty interesting. But when he went in the very first time for preaching the gospel, you know, he could have pouted. He could have, God, what are you doing to me? He could have done all this. But what he chose to do was praise the Lord. He took this Bible uh, passage or this story about Paul and Silas in prison, and he chose what he chose to do was to praise Jesus. So guards and other prisoners would hear him singing praises to the Lord in his Vietnamese tongue. And so he'd be praising the Lord, then he would stop after four or five songs, and then he would preach a sermon, just like it was church. Now he's in there alone, in the cell by himself, but he would preach, and through the walls, prisoners could hear it. He would give altar calls, and prisoners would get saved. Then they'd put him out in the general area with everybody else. Guys would gather around, and he'd start laying hands on people. People would go out in the spirit. People would be healed. People would see all kinds of miracles happen. They had two in that first prison trip. They had two inmates that had been blind since birth uh, that received their sight on the prison yard. It's so frustrated, the head of the prison, that they... They told him to stop. They put him in chains and put him in a hole. He continued to praise God. You could hear there was an air vent for him to breathe. You could hear him praising God, singing praises to the Lord up up through the air vent. Now, I want to tell you this. Uh, I was a voice major in college, okay, or in the university, at the University of Washington. So, you know, I have a trained voice somewhat. But I want to tell you this that dude cannot sing but he took the literal literal, uh, word of God which says make a joyful noise to the Lord and he made a noise. If you're a singer, he had about a two note range. That was it. Okay, just right there. It was wonderful. But he praised the Lord and they could hear it coming up through things. Prisoners would gather around the hole and stand with arms raised. There are pictures that we have of, prisoners with arm raised raised around a hole with a little tin cup that that's where his voice would come up and he'd be preaching to them. He took on himself to praise God and not take his circumstances and let them dictate him. And I'm saying this to somebody here right now. Your circumstances that have been dictating you do not have to stop you from the fullness that God wants to bring in you because you've got a tomorrow testimony. You've got a tomorrow testimony. He kept saying to these prisoners, when you get out of here, whether it be by death or whether you get out of here because your sentence is is liberated, I want you to know that God is waiting for you. People are waiting for you. Your family's waiting for you. The victory is waiting for you. Everything is there. And that's how he'd preach. One time I caught him, this has been about maybe 15, uh, 15 trips into prison because what would happen is they... They'd do that, then they'd move him to another prison and he'd raise up a congregation there. And he left congregations wherever he went. He, he, he'd he'd uh, leave another congregation there and they'd get so mad at him that they'd go, Get out of here. We just don't want you. Then they'd leave, let him go for like two months. He'd go back to his church and preach the gospel. And then the miracles start happening. They couldn't let that happen because it was a communist country. So they'd go grab him again and take him and put him back in prison. He'd start another church. So um, they say right now that in the prison in the prison system in Vietnam while he was in for 48 of his 52 years, he probably saw more than 6,000 people come to Jesus. Now, what's your circumstance? It's a bad hair day. I got uh, pulled over by the police. My boyfriend has bad breath. Doesn't even come close. If you understand that God will help you to praise to the next victory and to your tomorrow's victory and everything you've got. Because what God conquers, remember, you will possess. What God conquers, you will possess and your children will inherit. Ooh, that's a biggie right there. What God conquers in your life and your circumstances, you will possess. And your children, the generations to follow, will inherit. I stand here today, the, the, that very statement right there. Uh, I'm a fifth generation preacher's kid. My great, 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 great grandpa was a horse thief and was scheduled to die by hanging at noon one day. The night before he was supposed to go, uh, he was taken out of prison by a guy by the name of John Wesley. And John Wesley took him to one of his crusades. He got saved and filled with the Baptist Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in the tongues at that meeting. The next morning at 9 o'clock, John Wesley, with my great-great-great-grandfather, went to the judge, and he said, this man has totally changed. The judge said, there's something different about him. He said, John Wesley said, put him in my control. Don't kill him today. Put him in my control for one year, and I'll bring him back and tell you the story of what's been going on. And the judge somehow, way said, I will do that. Everybody else before that was thieves and robbers and, and horse thieves. I stand here today because my great, 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 great grandpa said, I'm not going to let my past, I'm not going to let today dictate me. I'm going to go for the, the greater glory, the power of tomorrow's testimony to dictate my life. And I'm going to pray that generations, what God is conquering in my life, I will possess and generations to follow will inherit. Can you say amen to that? Come on, you are the guys that are gonna do it. Some of you come out of really dysfunctional families. Some of you come out of kind of, quote, good families, but they're not really changing the world. You are the generation that's gonna change the world. It's time that you stand up and don't let the junk, the typical, stop you. Go for it in Christ. Go for it in Christ. And believe and look for your tomorrow's testimony. Quickly, i got to finish here. Here we go. Verse 25 of Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfixed. You know what praising the Lord does? Praising the Lord in everything can change everything. We must practice The presence of the Lord. How? In everything, give thanks. When you praise Jesus, get ready for a whole lot of shaking to go on. Why? Because you are asking, when you praise, you are asking the supernatural to invade the natural. So baby, it's gonna shake. It's gonna look wild. Don't freak out. It's all God that's bringing shaking into your life, into who you are. Things will begin to shake off you as you praise the Lord. Your fears will shake off you. Your shyness will shake off you. Your unbelief will shake off you. Your past will shake off you. And victory will be yours in the name of Jesus. As you praise him, shaking will go on. You remember last time you were really you were really in tight with God and you walked out of a worship experience. It is so phenomenal. You walk out, you don't feel stupid, you don't feel shy, you don't feel anything. Why? Cuz all that shaking has shaken that stuff off. You've got to intentionally go and pick up your shyness again. You've got to intentionally go pick up your your fear again. You've got to because God is wanting in praise to shake you to the point that you just fly with God cuz he's wanting to use your tomorrow testimony, and make it for today. The chains of your life are gonna fall off as you practice praise just like it did with them. No more limitations, no more holding back, no more hesitations. You're going to the next level. You know, Paul and Silas, they had to, if everybody's listening to them and things start shaking, they couldn't have just, Jesus, praise you. They had to go for it. They had to praise and declare and set themselves in the place of surrendering everything they are to the King of kings and the Lord of lords in praise. Why do we praise the King of kings? Because you are no longer defined by the circumstances. You are defined by his covenant. You are no longer defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You are not defined by your failures. You are defined by his forgiveness. You are defined by his blood because his blood says you are forgiven. His spirit says you are free. His name says you are favored. Christ defines you, so we praise him. We praise what he opens. We praise what he closes. We praise God for what he provides. We praise God for what he takes away. We praise God for the drought. We praise God for the fire. We praise God for the rain. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 156. But the rest of the story is this. Verse 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in this Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all that were in his house. They had been set free. And they had been given the platform to prove that tomorrow's testimony is gonna be a today testimony and other things are gonna keep coming to them because of tomorrow's testimony. Your tomorrow testimony is so powerful, it is so dynamic, because it's totally based in the promises of God. If you declare your freedom today by the word of God, you will be set free tomorrow. That is who God is. For Paul and Silas and you, it wasn't about the jail, It wasn't about the beatings. It wasn't about the stocks. It was about fulfilling the plan of God for their lives and for the salvation of the jailer and his whole family. There's no other way that jailer would have come to Jesus because he was always in the jail. Who's going to go get him? A man, two men of God that are by circumstances gone to a place that they thought was terrible, but hallelujah, they set the man free. You see, God has a much bigger plan for you than your issues at this moment. God has a much bigger plan. You you don't understand the issues. You don't understand why it's going. I don't understand why I'm single. I don't understand why I've got financial issues. I don't understand. I want to tell you something. God's got bigger stuff. Your capacity is huge in God. Man, come on, youth group. Your capacity is huge in God. It's not about numbers. It's not about a building. In fact, this room is so stinking small compared to what God has capacity for you in you. We could have the largest, the largest young adult ministry that fills sanctuaries two or three times a week if we would just listen to the things of God and praise him and realize that he's setting us up for greatness all along because he's bringing about a tomorrow testimony in your life. God wants to use you to change the world. It's next level living. Thousands, thousands of people are waiting for you. 28,000 people at Sac State are waiting for you. People are waiting for you. If you were here Sunday night, the Danilo's of the world are waiting for you. They don't need you to cop out. They don't need you to worry. They don't need you to get in arguments. They don't need you to fear. They need you and the Jesus that's in you. Your story is not just about your past. Your story is right now in the future that you could speak over their lives because you're walking through it, you can say to them, see, I can do it, you can too. That's your tomorrow's testimony. It's powerful, so stop complaining. Stop critiquing, stop whining. Don't look back according to Luke 17:32. Don't think back Isaiah 43:18. Don't go back Mark 8:26 because as it says in Philippians 3:13 through 14, brethren and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press toward all the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen you are one moment one divine moment away from freedom you are one divine moment away from victory you are one divine moment from somebody in your circle who does not know god to come to jesus you're one moment and i'm praying that god gives you one moment that will one divine moment that will launch a divine movement through you now i'm sweating up here i'm making it happen because I believe this. This is is why I live. This is what I do. And this is what God is calling you to. A passionate, deliberate statement. God, I will praise you. God, I'm going to serve you. God, I've got spiritual disciplines going. And I trust that you've got my front, my behind, either side. You've got below me. You've got over me. You've got angels around me. I declare holy, holy, holy is the Lord no matter what my circumstances say, because they don't dictate me. Only my God does. Only my God. God is faithful. God is faithful. First Thessalonians 5.24, he who has called you is faithful to do it. Philippians 1.6, he who has began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The mistakes of your past will no longer obstruct the miracles of your future. The memories of what you have gone through will no longer hinder the mantle of where you're going in Christ because God wants to do a new work in you. The memories of what you've gone through will no longer hinder the mantle of what you're presently going through. Oh man, I, I've had probably three sessions this week with students who, who are so hurt by the past, so broken by the past, and they've stayed there. Even though they know the scriptures, they know the promises, they've stayed there. And this week, it's been, a, it's been a, a, an incredible thing to watch them start to go, okay, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna drop it. I'm gonna let that suitcase that I've carried around that's been slowing me down, I'm gonna leave it and go. Because God doesn't any longer, your past is covered under the blood. He's got you. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care what he, she did to you. It does not matter. Because ahead of you is a testimony that God wants to give you that will set the captive free and take you to the next level. If you want to go to the next level, you've got to say this to your circumstances and more importantly to the devil. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I won't pray like I I used to anymore. I won't talk like I used to anymore. I won't worship like I used to anymore because my God is greater. So I'm gonna declare Jesus. I'm gonna pray Jesus. I'm gonna talk Jesus. And I'm gonna worship the King of Kings. Because God is gonna continue to work in you until everything is restored in your life. Whatever the the enemy, whatever the canker worm has taken away, God is going to keep working and working and working and working on you so that everything is restored in your life so you go to the next level. For this is what you were made for. This is why you're living today. This is why you're living. Probably one of the most disastrous moments in my life, and maybe you've heard this story before, so forgive me if you have, but I was a youth pastor. My, as I got out of Bible school, I went right to my dad's church and was this youth pastor, which was totally cool. Nothing like having your dad as a senior pastor because, you know, if you're really struggling, you can walk in and throw your feet up on his desk and go, hey, man, help me. And uh, just really, really amazing um, being there. The youth group, when I graduated in May, the youth group was 15. And um, it had been 15 for like 15 years. And if you had a, there's probably about 25 kids in the group. But if you had a prayer service, there was 15 kids there. If you had a party, there was 15 kids there. If you had, you know, Sunday school, there was 15 kids there. I mean, it was always 15 kids. And this was teens, junior high and high school. When I went there, uh, really with a passion in my heart, really going for it. Uh, And I I went hard for it. And uh, by August, we had 90 kids in the group. And so what I did was I wanted to plan a bike trip where we'd go. We were going to ride 100. 50 miles and do it in four days. We could have done it in like two, but uh, we had girls on her. I'm sorry. I'm, j- I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm really joking. I'm joking. I really am. Did I just lie? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. really am. So uh, we were in the Spokane area uh, where the church was at, and we drove all the way up 90 miles or we got up finally nine miles north of us to Colfax, Washington, and the Snake River runs through there, and what we did was about, uh, probably about 10 miles up the Snake River, we took inner tubes, and we had, a, we had about three buses, there were 75 of us, three buses, and we um, uh, got on the, um, we got off the, the buses, and this other youth pastor and I were driving the buses, and and another guy, and so we dropped them off there. I had adult sponsors there that were helping them go down the river. They were going to go down about four miles, and then at a certain spot, come around the corner. It was probably from here to the back wall, around a corner, and they were going to get off there, and then there was thing. There was a big rock right here where, like, this light was. There was a big rock, probably as high as this rock, and so the, the river came down and washed up against that, and then washed up, like, over against this wall, about that high, another rock, and then it washed out and there was a waterfall probably 300 feet ahead of us. So, um, I need to say this. I don't like telling this story. Uh, It's very uh, personal, Um, but I think it's gonna help somebody today. Um, So, uh, we went down to the end to wait for the people to come. It took them about two hours. Uh, I did not know that there had been extreme rains in the area, previously up in canada and so the snake river coming out of canada was was flowing higher than normal i didn't realize that there was more of a rage in the river so as they came around the the uh, bend uh, they had been having a lot of fun but as they got around the bend all of a sudden everything started to pick up because there was a quite a bit of an incline coming in the river going towards the waterfall so as we came as they came around the corner the first one there uh coming around the corner her name was edie covey now i think every youth group in america has an edie covey edie covey did everything at such a high piercing voice sound that dogs would run from around the neighborhood and run to our church because she just i mean she's just really high and she talked up there and i mean it was just was very unique she'd sing and you know she could shatter get glass without singing very hard and just one of those girls right so she comes around the corner she's the first one and as she starts down the incline all of a sudden she starts screaming i mean bloody murder and it's way above the ro- roar of the river and the waterfalls that's up ahead of us i can hear this pitch that's really high and so i i started to move out in the water and the water uh What do you call it? Current was intense. And so I'm trying to hold on like crazy. And my friend, Randy Billings, the other youth pastor, he gets in too. And she's coming right at us. And she's screaming the whole way. And she's not like trying to paddle stop or anything like that. She's coming right at us. And boom, hit me. And I shoved her over to the side. But here starts coming others. And they're all screaming. And everybody's crying. And it's going crazy. And we're grabbing people. One kid by the name of Mark was under the water. He had gone up. He had gone up under this rock and flipped. So he came. He was coming right by me and was going through my legs. And I reached behind me and grabbed him by the hair and picked him up. He had long hair. Picked him up and threw him over to the beach. I mean, it was like you know, it was that kind of stuff was going on. It was crazy. Kids were crying, getting up out of the beach, bawling. They were in hypershock. I mean, it was trauma. It was all kinds of stuff. People up on the road, adults up on the road, heard all the activity, and people started come running down, trying to comfort people, bringing blankets, all kinds of stuff. Uh, one young lady, seventeen years old, high school senior, used to argue all the time with her high school sophomore, fifteen year old, and a brother, and she uh she and he were going she hit her head but had an on the rock but had enough clarity to see him he had gone clear under she reached down and grabbed him and got him by his big toe that was it had him by his big toe and the force of the two of them hooked together kicked them over to the beach that's the only she saved his life and by the way today they're like so close It's even funny and uh, so all of that's going on, and it's just, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Finally, we get everybody, adults and everybody, out of the river. We get them over the side. Everybody's freaking out. I'm running from person to person. People had cuts. They had blood was flowing. I mean, it was one of those kind of moments. And I'm looking around. I think I've got uh, everybody in control of all that's going on and everybody that is there. And I realize that Bobby Allman, our, our youth group president, wasn't there. So I said, Has anybody seen Bobby? Has anybody seen Bobby? Bobby was the starting quarterback on the football team and the starting point guard. He was entering his senior year, had a full ride, had signed a letter of intent to go to Notre Dame. And anybody seen Bobby? John Fox, one of my other leaders, he spoke up and he said, Yeah, I saw him. He's headed up the hill. And I go, okay, man, he's going to be cool. I figured he's up on top of the hill. So we're getting everybody else we're trying to grab. We're carrying people up there. We're literally body, putting people on our backs and and trudging them up. I mean, it was one of those kind of moments. We get people on buses, and they take off. Where's Bobby? Can't find him. He's not in a bus. I don't know where he is. We called search and rescue. Search and rescue comes. While they go to the church and try to get everybody calmed down, somebody called my dad. My dad and uh, all the parents, and then... There was all because that was going to be our last day, So they were waiting anyway for their kids and so uh, parents. And then he had grabbed about 150 other people from the church, and they all come running up there. Uh, drove the 100 uh, or the 90 miles to get up there, and and they came to the church and are helping and bringing food and all kinds of stuff and and I'm back with search and rescue, and the guy, we're going to set up camp right here, and he gets all walkie-talkied and gets going and and the whole thing, and then he's commissioning teams to go everywhere, and I start, I said, give me a flashlight, and I start down a bank yelling, Bobby, Bobby, where you at, Bobby, hey, Bobby, Bobby, call out to me, Bobby, come on, man, call to me, buddy, call, about seven o'clock. Um, my dad got a hold of me, and he said, hey, you better come back to church. We need to pray over these kids before we take them home, and they want to see you, see if you're okay. So I drive back to the church, get to the church, and I'm just, I'm hyped, Walked into the meeting really intense. There's a room about this size, and the whole thing is, is surrounded by 75 kids, soaking wet, muddied, all kinds of stuff with their parents behind. Kids are crying, and question is, where's Bobby? I said, I don't know, we're looking for him. And so, put everybody in a circle and prayed. Really a tough prayer. I, I did not really know what to say. I don't know what you're praying, those things. Bible school didn't prepare me for that. And I didn't really know what to say or what to do. And, and so, prayed and then my dad jumped in as the senior pastor of the church and he prayed and then everybody took off and went back to the city. I stayed, they left me a pickup truck. So, we, we kept looking. Now that all transpired about one o'clock in the afternoon. It's now 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. Uh, I've got cuts and bruises and mud and everything all over me, and I'm, I'm sitting by the fire trying to uh, warm up because it was cold. The rain, it was raining, and it was cold, and I didn't have any windbreaker or rain jacket or anything. The head of search and rescue comes up to me, and he says, uh, he says Pastor, he says, uh, you know, you're really probably not helping us here. You're, you're exhausted. Why don't you go back? And when we find him, whether he be okay or not, when we find him, we'll let you know. So after he talked to me for about five minutes, I finally was convinced that I couldn't do anything, so I got in a pickup truck and started to drive home. You guys, I I, I cannot tell you, um, because I'm not sure I even sometimes believe this, but I do know this. I know this for certain. It was as if the devil himself, Lucifer, was sitting in the truck next to me. And all the way home, he just trashed me. And I listened. Said, Rick, you kill kids, man. You think you're called to ministry? Look what you've done. You've killed a kid. You've killed a kid. What are you gonna say Sunday morning when you get up to lead worship at church? What are you gonna say the next time the youth group gets together? What are you gonna do, man? What do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You think you're Jim Ryan's kid and you've got the right to do this? You don't have the right to kill somebody. And that went on all day. I mean, the whole time. And I listened. See, I want you to hear this. Sometimes we listen to the enemy's attack because it somewhat sounds logical. But I want to tell you something. Your Jesus is bigger than anything that Satan says to you. So he's screaming, he's screaming, he's telling me all this stuff. I remember getting home finally about 3 30 well actually i pulled over a couple times to sleep because i was just so tired and then i i drive a little bit more and at 6 30 in the morning i got to the house pulled into the driveway of the house and uh, my parents had from the driveway to, to the it was a it was a dirt driveway from the driveway to the front door of the house was 14 steps and as i before, When I turned the key off in the truck, I put my hands on the steering wheel, and I said, okay, God, that's it. I'm sorry. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'd been offered uh, a job in a business to actually co-own a business, and I was going to go for that. I said, God, I, I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I'll pay for somebody else to do it, but I can't do it. Got out, walked over to the stairs, and started up. My head was down. And I got to about stair eight. All of a sudden, the front door opened. And I didn't look up, just somebody was running across the, the, uh, the floor of the, of the platform there, and then they started down the stairs. All I saw was the feet for the first time. It wasn't feet that I recognized really, but it kind of recognized, and I looked up. It was the girl that I was dating at the time that I was pretty serious about. She was with a ministry team in Montana at a camp And my parents had called her and said, Rick's in trouble, would you come and help? Because they knew how much I cared about her. Lorna was her name and Lorna threw her arms around me and walked me up the stairs, took me right into the living room, didn't clean me up, didn't do anything else, took me right in the living room. And for the next five hours, all she did was talk Jesus to me. She said, you can do it. This isn't the end, this isn't over. And for five hours, she kept speaking into my life. She kept telling me the things I've got. She kept telling me what my tomorrow testimony was going to be. She said, this right here will cause you to launch to nations. This right here will cause hundreds, if not thousands, to come to Jesus. This right here will change you. This right here will make you committed to things that you need to blow off yourself anyways. Could somebody come to the keyboard, by the way? to blow off you. The, 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 this is God working in you. There's shaking going on, but God is working in you. And she just kept saying that, and she kept saying this, your testimony for tomorrow will be greater, and you are going to declare victory over kids' lives. They're wanting to be destroyed by the enemy, but the enemy will not win today, Rick. The enemy will not win today. I slept, showered, laid down. I slept for 16 hours. The next morning was church. I woke at nine o'clock, got ready. At 10 o'clock, I was supposed to lead worship. And the first song is an old school song called uh, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. And uh, I look at the song and I look at the words and I'm like, well, we did practice this, but I don't wanna sing this right now. And Lorna was on the first row over here and she saw me, she jumped up next to me and she and I sang, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Five days later, they finally did after three days, find Bobby's body at the, and a grate, uh, before it went over the, uh, into the reservoir, there were, they had steel grates to collect branches and everything that would collect down there. And they would take them out because they, they didn't want it to all go into the reservoir and they found his body. And two days after that, we had the memorial service at our church. 1,200 kids were at the, in the high school and we had 1,500 kids come that day to our church before that funeral. And that was just students, that wasn't including parents and everything else. We probably had maybe 4,000 people there. The press was there, everything was there. Before I walked out on stage, I turned to Laura and I said, I don't know if I can do this. And she said, oh, you can do this. She goes, you can do this. Listen, God's put you in this moment. There are hundreds of lives right now waiting for you. They need hope. They need Jesus. You've got to do this. God puts you here right now for this. So don't back up, don't back up, don't quit. This is the time now you're asking God to bring the supernatural into the natural in these kids' lives. I was going to tell this story, but my wife today said, Rick Ryan, you're doing it. You're a conduit for the supernatural to come into the natural. it's not about you anymore (laughs) it's never been about you anyway yeah it's been about you until Jesus went to the cross saved you and when he saved you man everything's yours Eddie everything is yours man everything is yours there's no need to cry and whine and get all tripped out anymore because God wants you to be a conduit of the supernatural or the natural. God wants you to be a world changer. God wants this youth group to go to the next level. A next level, and hear this, a next level where God is gonna take you as a youth group and take you as it were in an elevator experience. And you're gonna rise and you're gonna go higher and higher. Hear this, Vlad. You're gonna go higher and higher and higher. And as you get higher, God is gonna give you more perception and more perspective and more perspective And he's going to give you the ability to see the angles and the avenues into different territories, new territories, and different people groups, new people group. You won't know their language. Hear this. You won't know their language. I'm prophesying over you right now. You won't know their language, but you will learn their language, not so you can communicate as much as so you can be a prophetic voice to them. Because 2019 is the year of anticipation, It is the year of acceleration. This might sound a little weird to you, but actually in Hebrew, nine is the, the number for anticipation because you're going from single digits to double digits. You're going from one level to another. 2019, listen, 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 Bethany youth. You're going from one level to another. That's what the Holy Spirit is speaking of. I believe through me to you.